Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. That is the classic jump around that you hear. Did you hear uh, Pitbull and Lil John have flipped this song and it is trash? Oh, I did not hear that. No. Oh, it's trash. They should have left it alone. <laughs> it's Pitbull, do you like Pitbull? Anyway? I do. Actually, I like Pitbull when he was rapping, rapping, like before Mr. Three. I know why he had to make the transition to the pop, but I like Pitbull. I bought his first two albums. I feel like, Wes, you try to pigeonhole me in music stuff. Uh-huh. I'm going to give this a music opinion about you. Okay. feel like you like everybody. feel like there's not many people you dislike. I mean, I was in the top 10, 15% of music listeners on Spotify. Your music man, so. knowledge and interest <laughs> is basically wonder bread. Not much gets by me, man. Uh, but you like it, though. Like, it seems not only do you keep up with everything, because mm-hmm. you do a great job at that. And if you are a hip-hop fan out there, you know. <laughs> it is hard to keep up it with is. your music, because they are dropping stuff all the time. It is. Whatever hip-hop artist you're discussing, whether it's a mixtape, whether it's an album, it is tough to keep up with every, whether it's features. You have to be on top of your game to keep up with everything. And I feel like you genuinely enjoy a lot of what is dropped as time goes on. This past year, four years ago, <laughs> 10, 20. Well, one of like my it. first things on Friday mornings when I wake up, especially if I have the time, I go through my new music playlist that Spotify mm-hmm. creates for me. So I want to hear some of the new stuff. But yeah, I mean. I got to go tell you, though. What's up? I'm real. If we're going to do this music thing for just a moment, okay. I am not here for Jim Jones slandering Pusha T. Just false, and I'm ready to go with you. If what you want. he did say was kind of true, but I no, love both didn't. guys. No, it's not. But but, it's but not they true. don't play Pusha T like. Not that I'm outside like that, like Jim Jones said. But if you went to clubs and parties and stuff, I mean, outside of grinding, you're not hearing a lot of Pusha T. Well, you're. I don't even know. If, yes, you you're playing some. I've heard some Daytona, but that album was. Oh, amazing. it was fire. That's what I'm saying. It was fire. But so Jimmy just was like, just saying that he. His music is not played in the clubs and, and stuff like that. Like, like, But he was also talking about how you don't know his own music. I mean, it wasn't just the club stuff because I don't care. He is okay, a little whatever. Because I keep up with sales and stuff, too. His albums commercially don't do great as far as sales go. But one, okay, one, it's the whole Jim Jones is coming out here for I mean, I know you love Jim, but come on, let's keep it real. Like, ain't no way. No, Jim lyrically, is he doesn't pushing. compare. He's but not. lyrically, Jim Jones has come light years from where he wants to You mean started. it's better than We Fly High? No, right. Lie. But I'm just this? saying, if you listen to his latest go no, up. if you listen to his re- latest records, man, Jimmy spits. Now, he spits now, dog. Uh, like, but Jimmy got j- flow now. I will say this I'm, I really, I really can't wait because Pusha. 
will put the kibosh on any beef anybody <laughs> brings his way. He always comes out on top. Oh, he's going to drop some subliminals and for it, Jim and well, his and next it, record. Well, and it might not subliminal. He might just outright say he's got a kid yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Push, push him might push him might reveal Jim Jones has a kid. Yeah. Just like he did with Drake, one of the goodness gracious moments of our time. Yeah. When Pusha T said, you are hiding a child. Okay. <laughs> he said that about yeah, Drake. Yeah, it could be good. I know he's going to have some words for Jim Jones, but listen, man. He let's... needs to. I'm, I'm just, look, man, it's, it's. Got me foul line worthy, okay? Okay. Like, I'm just Jim Jones. I saw it too when he said it. Get out of here. Talking about he was my he number one artist music on just by his too. own. How he's got to be a feature. One, when he touched mm. a song as a feature, Pusha destroyed it. Everybody loves Pusha's verse on features. Yeah. But then even these out acting like Daytona wasn't dropped within the last five years and yeah. everybody celebrated this it. This is true. Jim but Jones. But Jimmy didn't drop some banging albums too the last few years. Fly low. That's what I said. <laughs> All right. So listen, we're going to please the tease. And this was something I found very interesting. Listening to Colin Cowherd yesterday on my way home, I heard Albert Breer talking about the Panthers' reasoning behind drafting Bryce Young. And one thing that stuck out to me was how they said that he challenged Alabama's coaches to be more prepared during his time in Alabama. Let's hear it. I, I talked to Scott Fitter about this over the weekend, and you know his his first experience was actually sitting his wife and watching the Heisman ceremony a year and a half ago, and how impressed they were with how he came off. And then they start to study him on tape, and you know what they see is a guy who you know processes, who plays the game in an NFL way, who wins from the pocket, um, who leads, whose intangibles are off the charts, who you know you hear from people who are at Alabama that was the most prepared person in the building and challenged the coaches to be more prepared. The, the scouts and the coaches at Carolina knew all of this when they traded for the number one overall pick, and so Bryce became their baseline, but they wanted to go through a full process, and they wanted to give C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis a full opportunity to catch Bryce Young, and if one of them or two of them did it, maybe they would have considered trading down. And then let's hear that second cut as well when he talked about how the Panthers knew uh, what they were going to do with that pick. And I think the real tell was a couple of weeks ago inside that building when it became clear that they weren't going to move off, off the first overall pick. And that, that, that's when it sort of clued people therein to the fact that Scott Fitter and Frank Reich had settled on Bryce Young as the first overall pick. They really formalized it a week ago today when, when Fitter walked into Reich's office and, and flat out asked him, okay, who is it? And Reich said, yeah, it's Bryce. But I think that feeling had been in the building for a while. And really, over the last couple of weeks, when the idea of trading the pack down melted away, everybody knew what was going on. All right, man. So, like I said, what stood out to me was the fact that Alabama, Nick Saban, the guy who is the most prepared, he's college football's version of Bill Belichick. He covers every base there is. He covers everything you need to know. Bryce Young pushing the coaches at Alabama to be more prepared. I mean, how much more excited did that make you about this kid and how he's going to come into the league? I think this is just speaking to it. Like we said, or like I've said, you know, I'm no huge Panther fan. But you guys have got to be excited about this, man, because I think he's going to come in. I mean, he's looking like Peyton Manning, the sheriff, a guy that's going to come in from day one, playbook absorbed. No, wide receiver, you don't do that. You're supposed to do this, checking stuff at the line. I think he's going to have a big rookie season. I think he maybe not Justin Herbert-like, but, I mean, based off his football IQ, man, Jesus. I mean, Nick Saban's program and you have his coaches challenging them. Mm. No, it's high praise. And Bill O'Brien was the one talking about how Bryce Young was the smartest player that he's ever been around. And we can talk about all the players Bill O'Brien's been around, including a Tom Brady, 
So we've seen that type of coach be around extremely smart players. And this is exactly why Bryce Young is knocking the S2 test out of the park. This is why when you watch film, you can understand his processing is better than everyone. I, tell me if you agree with this comparison. I feel like when we would talk about Le'Veon Bell, patience became a buzzword that entered mainstream. And so it became one of the qualities that everybody, oh, yeah, Le'Veon Bell, that patience, everybody loves it. I feel like that's happened with processing with Bryce Young because as much as we could talk about processing with other QBs, I have never heard that word more in my life than this entire pre-draft process. And I'm with it. Here, I just said it again. But I'm with it. I, I welcome it. As a fan of the Panthers, as a fan of the player, as a fan of the production, the pedigree, all of it, I'm a fan of the processing too, but it just became such a used word that it feels like it is synonymous with that QB alone compared to all of the other quarterback prospects that we've had in the last five years or so. I don't remember one word being so synonymous when discussing an individual player that eventually entered mainstream too. Yeah, and I mean, they also talked about him being in the office with Frank Reich when he came in finally to Panthers headquarters and was talking about his vision for the offense and all of those things I mean this is a guy that everything about his traits lends itself to his play he's a low interception quarterback a low turnover quarterback a low bad decision quarterback you couldn't ask for more I mean this is a guy that when you watched Alabama play if they lost a game it wasn't because of Bryce Young and a lot of times he was the reason they came back in football games his decision making as I've said that's the number one thing to me that just grabbed me immediately when I watched him play it's Team showing blitz at the line. 1,001, 1,002, ball's gone. There's no dropping back, holding it. Oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? It's like he has the right answers to ball to go into my Trent Dilfer bag. He has the right answers to the test all the time, man. And I think that when I heard that, I said, I was just like, wow. I was just in awe of that just to think of how good he's going to be from day one. I mean, he is just a really, really savvy smart football player and as I said I think there's just so much to be excited about as far as what he's going to be able to do because I'm I, I would go out on a limb to say I don't think he'll have a season where he'll throw more than 10 12 picks yeah it's the guy that makes the smart decision I mean everything speaks to his intelligence and 602 writing in trust the processing that's what we're going to be doing in Carolina for a long time. <laughs> That's a good slogan. It is. It's a fantastic slogan. Yes, trust the processing. I don't think there's any doubt. I think another thing, when you talk about Bryce Young, what made people, if you are a believer, usually will hold so much talent on the roster for a C.J. Stroud or a Joe Burrow. That's the reason they were so good. You know, you could view it one way or the other. Either you got the most out of that talent already being good, or that's the reason you were propped up as a passer yourself. But we got to see a couple of different years where Bryce Young had the first-round talent at wide receiver, where Mechie went for 1,100 yards, where Jamison Williams went for 1,500 yards. You know, when you had that kind of supporting cast, it's amazing, and he delivered, right? And then the next year comes about, and you're not talking about any first round wide receivers any second third round wide receivers drafted and so he answered in different ways he was amazing without those guys and he was amazing with them offensive line same thing too right the offensive line was not as great as it usually is it's still bama it can only go so far down on the totem pole of best units in the nfl or in the college uh, football landscape but he was able to produce whether they were all-stars surrounding him or whether they were good 
college football players surrounding him. And I think that answered a lot of questions for people that might be out on Bryce Young. Listen, I know there's been different comparisons with him, and they talk about uh, a mini Mahomes or different things like that, but I'm going to go with and christen him on this day. Christen him? Black Breeze. Okay? He okay. wears the nine just like Breeze. Cerebral, just like Breeze. Similar size. 704 Let's go. Get out and of I, here, Matt. And I think when it comes down to it, now Breeze would throw you some picks. He would have some high interception games. But I think that when it comes down to it, this is the type of quarterback you're going to have. Just that guy that you know when he steps on the field, he's going to be the most prepared guy. And when defenses try to throw stuff at him, you better bring your best because he's going to come with it. But to me, I, I think he's a Drew Breeze clone. Uh, so now, when oh, we, hang on, no, 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 what? you can't just move on. What's up? You're just telling me he's not going to get it done in January when it matters <laughs> most, like Drew Brees. Drew's got a, Drew got a chip though. He's got one though. So does with Aaron the Rodgers. Saints. Hey, you don't talk about the chosen one. <laughs> yeah, but he got it with it's the gross. Saints though, it's a gross. franchise that has a horrible history. I yeah. think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, if, if you're saying Black Breeze and you're telling me he's going to fail more often than not in the postseason, I don't <laughs> want that to happen. If I, if, I, if I told you that, that he would get you to the playoffs as much as the Saints got there and win a chip, you would take that all day. I mean, a chip, I mean, yes, because we, the Panthers don't have one. But, I mean, like, how many times were the Saints the favorite to come out of the NFC and – they're they're losing games that they shouldn't lose in the postseason. Well, that's true, but he just meant all the positive. Get get out of here. It's actually so you're right. He's a better version of Drew Brees because okay. he's going to bring the Panthers to the promised land Multiple more often. Grades. Yes, that's right. Maybe if you give me so we've been talking about eight years because Cam gave Carolina eight good years. Maybe you take the first years, uh, eight years of Drew Brees' career in New Orleans. He gets you the Super Bowl, and then he's even better after that. Maybe that's what we can do. But yeah, and, and more mobile. I, here's something I'll ask you, Wes, too. I feel like we've undersold his mobility. You know I what have. I'm saying? Well, no, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. We, we don't talk about it as and it speaks it, it's to how great all he is about the, the brain. Sure. It's all about how good he is in the pocket sure. and navigating. And it's not like he's got an amazing 40 time. Anthony Richardson had a better he's 40 time. He's fast enough, though. But but I feel like there is the rushing ability with him, too. Yeah. It, not only is it, people discuss him making plays out of the pocket a lot. I think that has been a celebrated aspect. Mm -hmm. But I totally trust him picking up first downs with his legs frequently. Yeah. Right. Especially if you're talking about man coverage. And everybody has their back turns toward the quarterback. And nobody has a spy because he's not crazy athletic anyway. So Bryce Young just sees the C's part, if you will, to that first down. And he's able to pick that up. I just I wonder why we don't talk about that aspect enough. When it was held against C.J. Stroud, yeah. no one's holding it against Bryce Young. But yeah. I also don't think we're celebrating it as well. Well, because he uses it as a last resort. Because to me, like I said, when I see him run, he looks like a high four six guy, which is plenty enough speed for him to get out of trouble, but the pocket awareness, as I said, is A+. Plus. I mean, and he only had 185 yards rushing. Yeah. It's not a lot, so only 49 attempts. I just, watching him play, I feel like you can see some of the speed, certainly the agility He's one there. of the hardest quarterbacks I've ever seen to sack watching college football. Like I said, I, I don't like Alabama, and when I would watch the games, mm -hmm. I would be throwing stuff aggravated that they could not sack this guy. Well, and also, I guess, if you're going to combat the whole rushing style <laughs> of of, of uh, Bryce Young, yeah, I don't want him running free out there just to be destroyed no. by a linebacker. Yeah, so and, and he'll he protect himself. Yeah. But uh, when we come back on the Wes and Walker show. Oh, Brother Breeze real quick. Brother okay. Breeze is good. Okay, I like that too. <laughs> That's pretty right. good, Brian. That's All right, good. when we come back, more Scott Fitterer sounding. Also, what is the ceiling and the floor of one Jonathan Mingo? This is the Wes and Walker show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I want to go to the Garage Door Guru text line. 704-570-9610. we got some good ones. 704 wrote in Bryce Young. He's small. He's a great processor. How about we call him the microprocessor? I knew that was coming. I knew something <laughs> like that was coming. That's Kevin from Salisbury. We appreciate it, Kevin. Yes, I like the microprocessor. Yeah, we need to expand the Bryce puns because everybody came up. We got a few different ones here and there, but mostly we get Bryce up, son. We'd get Bryce, Bryce, baby. We'd get all of that coming into the text line. What about Bryce Spice if he was in a spice Yeah, girl? see, that's the thing. We got that, too. Uh, we Opponents would probably say that. And they wouldn't love it. I don't think he would like that. I don't think we, so. we, we probably didn't even know who the Spice Girls are. Oh, that's a good question. You've seen those videos of a younger generation yeah, who doesn't, doesn't know, know pop stars of the 90s. He don't know. Yeah, I, he probably doesn't. He probably, who's that? Would you, why, why does he got to talk like I'm that? I'm a toddler. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. Look, people think he sounds like that anyway, but I don't think he sounds just like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was cold from West. Let's go to the next one. 704 number. Um Rode in, or excuse me, trophy husband rode in, you know, brother breeze walking into rookie training camp, trying to get that respect for sure. Uh, I could see that. And he gave a, a nice, uh, a scrubs, Jeff scrubs, by the way, I don't know if you guys watch scrubs. I feel like that's the most underrated show of all time. It's on the list to watch. Oh, wow. Fitty. I'm, I'm almost, I will finish Seinfeld. I'm excited about that one. Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going through two and a half men next. But Scrubs but is you've always, seen Two and a Half Men, right? I've seen for the most part, but I've never seen it in order. You need to watch Scrubs. I have no problem telling everyone that is the most underrated sitcom of all time. If you want to go show, drama, all that. But I'd go yeah. Two and a Half over Scrubs. Not me. I'm really? Thinking, well, it's they, like they don't have any characters. Two and a Half I appeals more hate. to Fitty, though. That's Well, that's true. That's, that's going to appeal to him it a appeals lot. to me. You literally said on the air, that, and I've got the audio, that you you aspire to be Charlie Hawkins. You and I are like in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I did aspire to be like Charlie Harper when I was a single man. But, uh, yeah, it is, it with our conversations, it appeals to both of us. Helen Harper's just one of the worst. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He is the worst character ever. <laughs> 
And so Scrubs doesn't have that. Scrubs is better. I'm telling you, it is. I'm yeah. Try, I'm trying to think of other bad TV characters. Uh, Cornelius Robb saying Scrubs is a top five show. Completely agree with that. Trophy husband wrote in Fitty Scrap Seinfeld. Get on the Scrubs train. So, yes, I appreciate that. Mm. I appreciate that from Trophy Husband writing that in. But you already finished Seinfeld, right? I mean, I've got like four episodes left. Like, I'm, okay. I'm going to finish it this week. We do need to talk about the finale once that happens. Most people don't like it. I'm not going to okay. tell you anything about it. I um, mean, Crypt wrote Scrubs is a bunch of greater, sans, uh, greater um, than signs than Two and a Half Men. That's Trevor writing that in. Is it going to make me mad? What, the finale? To Seinfeld. It might. Well, yeah, it is because you get angry at everything that you don't like. Wow. So <laughs> you're going to get mad at it. I mean, I've, I've told Willie off off the cuff, if they don't put Jerry and Elaine together, I wasted I wasted the show. All right. You're going to have to find out. Am I going to give anything away? It's so weird that I can't give spoilers to Seinfeld. Right. <laughs> the show has been off over, what, two decades now? Decade? Two, two and a half men and Scrubs have both started and ended for over a decade yeah. since Seinfeld ended. <laughs> so I can't give you any spoilers, but that's fine. I will not ruin it for you whatsoever. Let's get to some Scott Fitterer audio because he has been making the rounds here at WFNZ. He joined the Kyle Bailey show yesterday. He joined Mac and Bone earlier this morning. There was one comment that I thought was particularly interesting because... We're discussing the needs of this Carolina Panthers team. Cornerback might not feel great about that, given the injury history that Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn has. C.J. Henderson didn't have his fifth-year option picked up. So, little dicey at cornerback. Also, edge rusher, too. But they did draft the defensive end in D.J. Johnson in the third round, and we all thought that he was going to be taken much later. Right. Let alone they traded up to go get him. So, they must have high expectations for him in the future. But what about even this season? Is a guy described as a raw prospect ready to go in year one at 80 overall? Here's Scott Fitterer talking about that right now. I think the way the coaches are going to use him, he'll be on the field right away. Okay. You know, the, the plan is for him to be out there rushing opposite Burns. We'll have Vitor out there. We'll have Barno, Marquise Haynes. But he, he's that big body, like I said, can set that edge, play physical. And you don't find too many guys that are 6'4", 260, that can run 4'4", and chase them from backside like he can. So, uh, you know, despite what's being said out there about him, we're really excited about him. What do you think of DJ Johnson contributing right away? Scott Fitterer saying that. Look, that's that's the intention. That is what they drafted him, not only for the future, but because they felt like he was a defensive end that was big enough to set the edge, maybe even more so than go after the quarterback, Wes. I do think that's a pretty interesting skill set for uh, to, to point out because we all think, okay, we want all of the QB hurries. We want the sacks. We want the pressures. Maybe that's not necessarily DJ Johnson's role immediately for him to see the field now, and maybe he can develop that as his NFL career goes uh, on. I feel like I believe it when I see it because really after you get past the first round, a lot of these guys, it's a dicey proposition. Even the first rounders are. So for a guy that a lot of people have – uh, he's already much maligned as far as the pick and where he was drafted. I'm going to wait and see on that. He's going to have to get in training camp and show uh, that he that he's a guy, you know. So until then, I'm not going to believe much because Scott Federer is going to talk about all of these draft picks as if they're going to play. And we know in most draft classes, two to three guys make it at the most in a lot of cases. Yeah, and he talked about Jamie Robinson being someone that could be a starter down the line. Didn't talk about him necessarily helping right away Mm -hmm. because you do have all the safety depth that we've discussed, some of the moves that they made. I thought DJ Johnson, they clearly did not want to see him go to a different team. That's why they felt pressured 
to go up and get him when there was a run of edge rushers there. Isaiah McGuire was still available. He appeared in our prospect duels. I really like McGuire. He is a good athlete. He's also a big dude when you talk about him on the defensive line. He's 6'4", 266 pounds. I wonder if it came down between a couple of those players that could play on the outside at an odd man front, set the edge, make sure that they could stop the run. Because DJ, not only is he strong, not only does he have the size, but he's got the freak athleticism. I don't know if I'd call McGuire a freak. More of a technician, though, getting after the passer. I think, Wes, as weird as it may sound, they valued setting the edge more so than they did a pass rusher in that odd man front that Avero is going to sport in a bunch of different situations. Well, sure. I've talked about at nauseum the the different specifications you have to have in a 3-4, and he fits to a T when you talk about that weight out there over 260 pounds, and then you talk about him setting the edge because your – defensive end, quote-unquote, is going to be lined up directly over the tackle. So he's going to have to make sure that his face doesn't get crossed, but also it's it's difficult for him to set the edge down in and down out. It's going to be the responsibility of the end and the outside linebacker to make sure that that edge gets taken care of. And I just want whoever is opposite of Brian Burns to help Burns eat too because we did see that. It was, it was always when Hassan Reddick was signed – the prove-it year, one-year contract. Eventually, he'd go to Philly and eat and get a contract that was very nice as well. But the conversation leading up to that point when Hassan Reddick played was, how much is that going to free Brian Burns? And we saw both of them do very well that season, getting after the passer. So now you're hoping that Derek Brown is enough in those situations to where he is going to occupy blockers, and then hopefully that frees up Brian Burns, and then whoever's on the opposite side... Hopefully they can free Brian Burns up too in some of those situations. We'll see. Scott Fitterer did talk about the fifth-year option being picked up on Derek Brown, as we were just mentioning. Here's what Fitterer had to say yesterday on the Kyle Bailey Show. Yeah, easy decision there. Like he's a he's a foundation piece for us. We want him here long term. You know, when you talk to Ajiro about where you're going to play him, he can play anywhere on that front. And he's a he's a massive body who's athletic. He can create pressure. He can play out the run game and he can get after the quarterback you know he's got that quickness and athleticism to do that so that's a really rare trait you know that athletic trait as a guy that size so that, that is kind of a no-brainer to uh, to sign him uh to your option and as we were looking at the projected depth chart joe person came out with that article just a couple of days ago we also had him on the show a little while ago he did have Derek brown as a projected starter at that defensive end spot because of the three-man front that you're going to have i know you like him in that spot and as we discuss a burns alongside whatever defensive end is quite literally on the opposite end, maybe that could be Derek Brown to help free Brian Burns get after the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a space eater, but also required to get after the quarterback. And like you said, Derek, I mean, uh, Brian Burns does need that help on the other side. There's no question about that. And they're going to get that because in that 34, those outside linebackers are basically, you know, glorified defensive ends that will be standing up and rushing the passer. So somebody's going to have to step up on that other side. And then Derek Brown can do his part by also using his quickness to beat tackles on a regular basis. 
and try to take up two blockers whenever that he can to give guys one-on-one matchups. So uh, that's going to be his primary responsibility, and if he can do that often enough, that's going to help Burns to give him those one-on-one matchups. All right, I want you to put your offensive lineman jersey back All on. All right, I'm I want to talk. It on. It's going to be loose right now. <laughs> I know, I know. So maybe not now, but put yourself in the old body before you do what a lot of offensive linemen do and lose 70 pounds and look completely different. Yes. When you were back in your Wake Forest playing days, who do you think, who's a harder prototype to match up against? Is it Derek Brown? And I guess you were tackle, so Brown is a lot bigger. He's going against guards more so than maybe, you know, I guess it'll be a little different here with Averro. But would you rather go up against Brown or Brian Burns, elite athleticism or Ooh. straight power with also some nice athleticism to boot? That's tough. Like prototype player, not Brown and Burns, just between those two. We're not doing a toss-up, but just prototype the freak athleticism because Burns is crazy. I mean, I mean, I got been, my fair share of taste of each of those yeah. during my time. I would, oh man, I would say I'd rather deal with the athleticism because the back can give you a chip on some of those guys okay. and slow them down a little bit. I mean, running back give you a good hard lick to that right shoulder, left shoulder. It'll slow you down a little bit. Yeah. So I'd rather deal with that because when you're dealing with a big guy, man, if I had to block Derrick Brown for 60, 65 snaps, dealing with that 300 pounds, and he can move, and he's powerful, and that's angry, just a load. And angry Brown. And angry. That's angry just Brown. a load. <laughs> it's just too much. So I'd... You know, you, you're going to battle, you're going to compete with them for sure, but I'd rather deal with the athletic guy because you have some nice little helpful things that can be done to him to slow him down. And correct me if I'm wrong, you can look stupid by getting just thrown into the ground by a power move. I'm not trying to say that. I feel like there's more potential to look stupid from speed rushers than there is power rushers. I mean, depending, because the offensive linemen are going to be strong too, right? Yeah. Like, I just wonder, depending on how strong they are. A, a no, it's move, worse to get beasted. Well, I know it's worse. No, 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 no. You're right about that. I think it's absolutely worse to get thrown into the ground. Yeah. I think what I'm saying is I think there's a higher frequency of possibly looking stupid against an outside edge rusher with that kind of four, 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 five speed because they'll spin move you like a Dwight Freeney. Sure. And if they just beat you around and then they give you an inside move and then you don't even put a hand on them, sure. you can look dumb that way. Yeah. Does that yeah, happen? Look out. Yeah. Cause, yeah, cause well, the reason I ask, because it doesn't feel like offensive linemen, that, that's what makes defensive linemen so special when they have that power. Those guys are 300 pounds, too, that they're throwing down, yeah. right? Like, it's when you're dealing with edge rushers, here we're talking about DJ Johnson being a big dude as a defensive end, and he's 260. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, th- those guys should not be throwing 300-pounders. No, they shouldn't. But, I mean, a guy like like Reggie White, he, he would have right. been the worst. Oh, yeah. He'd have been the worst. 300, well, he's quick, but he's strong as five oxes mm-hmm. like that's terrible because a speed guy you can especially if it's one guy and mm-hmm. that's i guess some of the things that brian burns might run into from time to time like when we played nc state manny lawson like you can and we kind of did it on both sides you can set inside because you know the back is gonna come and smack i mean i saw manny lawson take a lick from my running back and i was like oh i know that hurt <laughs> but your running back was kind of a workout warrior right uh, what depends because at that time I had I had my buddy uh, D'Angelo Bryant, so he was more of a mix between the two. He went about oh. two forty five, two fifty, so he was coming through there. And he we didn't use Chris Barclay for that. It, it's fun to me if you just talk about some of the strongest dudes in a Panther uniform we've ever seen. Feel free, this is a fun combo seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. Who are the all time strength aliens to ever don a Panther uniform? There's two that come to mind. Chris Jenkins is one. 
you hear stories about Chris Jenkins, and they are not pleasant of anybody who goes up against him. Oh, D'Angelo Williams used to have this story about it's the hardest he's ever been hit, and it was just him getting the football, and Jenkins only got a line of scrimmage start. It's not a li- It's not like a linebacker yeah. getting a running start. Jenkins is just starting from the line of scrimmage and just throwing D'Angelo into the ground. He's one that comes to mind. Jonathan Stewart as a running back. I don't know if we'll ever have yes. a stronger running back than that ever again. I mean, that the stiff arm from Jay Stu was absolutely insane. And so I got that. Also, um, try to think of some offensive linemen that were crazy. I, Chris Jenkins is the one, though. Like, Jenkins is the one that comes to mind first and foremost. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, man. And, and when you talk about the the 40 and the 10-yard split and some of those drills, where do they come in at? It comes in on the line. Like, you think, oh, yeah, he's just right in front of me. But when you're twitchy as a big guy mm-hmm. like that and you can get off the line quickly – that's a lot coming at you in a short space. People talk about Peppers. I mean, obviously, he's one of the bigger aliens ever. He's freak, you know. He had strength. So especially when you talk about the athleticism, you know, people are writing a lot about Julius Peppers, um, Chris Jenkins, Luke Keekley. Luke Keekley, I mean, nobody's going to call him soft. I don't know if I view him as this all-time crazy strong player. He was more of the processor that yeah, Bryce Young was. No. But yeah, yeah, he, yeah, right, like just an all-around player. Um, what about Brad Hoover? Yes. Brad Hoover a good answer Fullbacks, for this? Yeah. I mean, you're born, you come out of the you come out of the in the hospital just lifting 250, 300. 704 wrote Stephen Davis. That's 100% yes. true. Yes. See, Stephen Davis would more so run you over. Stu would make you look more foolish if I maybe I'm maybe I'm tripping on that. But Jay Stu would have a stiff arm, throw you in the ground to move on. Steve Smith to be fair, Oh, pound for pound, he's definitely one of the Panthers' strongest. No doubt about that. No no doubt about that. Yeah, Matt Greensboro, as we said it, it literally came in. Possibly the strongest pound for pound player ever. That's That's exactly the. Beeson for his size, two thirty. He was a bull. People are more more so going Chris Jenkins and Julius Peppers. Brenton Buckner could bench press very well from the stories that you would hear. He didn't have like the. It, nobody was Chris Jenkins. He's got to be number one on this list, all-time freak. Yeah. But Brenton Buckner was strong. Well, all-time freak. Well, Julius Pepper's number one. Yeah. But just He's monster human. Monster yeah, human. You talk about strength and mm-hmm. athletic index and, and pound for pound. All right. He's pound for pound on the heaviest. We got another great answer. Okay. Todd Sauerbrunn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Cackalack. That's a great answer. When it comes to just punting the football – Todd Sauerbrunn is the all-time monster at that position. Um, one more soundbite I did want to get to from Scott Fitterer on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday. Here he is discussing if they might make another move in free agency now that the draft is done. Yeah, you never have enough. I always say this. You never have enough pass rushers. Always look pass rush first. Uh, I think tackle, having that swing tackle, adding depth there. And then, uh, you know, maybe a corner. Maybe we'll look at someone that, that can play outside and play nickel. But, uh those are kind of the, the, the main spots, but I really feel good about where the roster's at, but we'll, we'll always keep an eye open for someone that can help us. People writing in Cam Newton, too, by the way, of course. Easy. Yeah. Quarterback, yeah. don't come much stronger than Cam Newton, either. I'd, I'd say Christian McCaffrey should get some love, too, now. I bet I, he's a fool in the weight room, but, too. But, but not anything close to Jay Stewart or, I mean, even Stephen Davis. I'm going to do a little bit of hunt. Okay. Well, are you that petty to go look at no, highlights no, no, of Christian no, no. McCaffrey? No, 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 no. I'm just saying. I, I, no, no, no. I'm saying off of his 
bench and, and probably weight room prowess. I would say Christian McCaffrey is there with anybody. McCaffrey would run you over. He was a crazy hard runner, not soft at all. I feel like he's more of the Julius Peppers mold than he is the Chris Jenkins mold, like oh, Jay Stu and Stephen Davis yeah, yeah, was. That's what you. I'm kind of saying. I get you. Um, all right, just I wanted to go with the uh, the nickel position there. Because Joe Person said maybe there's conversation of moving Dante Jackson inside. Yeah. It, it, that's that's always something we flirted with ever since Dante was drafted because of his size. They put him on the outside. But the problem with that is got to find somebody else to take Dante Jackson's spot. And that's what I don't feel good about. So where I might like the fit, Dante makes sense. It's going to be raising our right. As a nickel corner. Okay. That confident. <laughs> the undrafted free agent. There you go. Maybe that could be it. Yeah. But what would you like? About, do, you, do you like the idea of Dante going inside? Yeah, I do. I think it would be good if you can find somebody on the outside. But, I mean, with his right. speed and, you know, athleticism, he could be a fit in the slot. The hardest part, though, about slot corner, you can't put hands on somebody. That's the tough part. Which hurts Jeremy Chen when we talk about big nickel. Yeah, that, that's that's the tough part about it, man. You get a guy like a Jameer Gibbs mm-hmm. that gets in the slot, you know, put his freakum dress on. It's going to be hard to... Hard to deal with a guy you can't put hands on. Or somebody drafted a little later where it makes more sense. And <laughs> yeah, either one of those. Whatever cheap, you, the cheap back. Whatever you, like. whatever you want <laughs> to roll with. 704-570-9610. People also writing in Mike Minner. It's a good answer. He'd hit you hard. Yeah. Kurt oh, Coleman, yeah. too. The arms. Yeah, yeah. Kurt Coleman had the biceps. Yeah. No doubt about Chad that. Coda. You said who? I said Chad Coda. Would you put him in the same category? <laughs> <laughs> Legend. That color was nice, though. I know. Sure. I know. Yeah, See, yeah. this is this is the problem, though. When you have these people try to move them just a little bit. Yeah. Hey, well, he wasn't. He wasn't that weak. Yeah. And then and then it's like if I don't put him in the category of Chris Jenkins, yeah. then all of a sudden I'm calling somebody soft. Yeah. But no, we we gotta understand there's levels to this. Um. All right, Fitty, go ahead and hit us with the last flash of the day. All right, guys, the Charlotte Knights, they're back in action tonight. They start a road trip at Gwinnett. You'll find that game at 7.05 p.m. on MILBTV.com. The Atlanta Braves, they took two of three from the Mets over the weekend. They now have a three-game lead in the NL East, and they start a three-game set with the Marlins tonight. But... You know, what's what's being overlooked is that they've put Marcelo Zuna back in the lineup. They've sold their soul for winning. To have bad people play for them in the diamond every day. Okay. And then, Walker, (laughs) I think you'll like this. The Hornets, they brought in six prospects for the first round of NBA draft workouts today. I did see that. Including former NC State guard Jarkel Joyner. They said, we got enough inefficient guards in our backcourt. Why not maybe work out another? (laughs) That'd be, that'd be more Terquavion, right? Jarkel yeah. was a little bit better. No, it'll be interesting that as you start to ramp those up. Usually what will happen with these workouts, you'll get two at most. Maybe one, but two at most prospects that you've heard of. And, the and of course, unless you're talking about the local guys. But a lot of those other players that are in the first workout haven't really heard of them. So... Always interesting to see the timeline. It led to pretty good guesses on Kai Jones being drafted by Charlotte because he worked out with the team twice, one of the only players to do so. So keep an eye out if you were really trying to guess who the Hornets might draft. Kai Jones was a good example of that actually landing because of multiple uh, workouts. All right, we got to go to break. Keep texting us some of the stronger players at each position and Panthers history. 704-570-9610. One more segment to go on Wesson Walker. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. talking strongest Carolina Panthers ever here in the last segment and it reminded me the Chris Jenkins mention reminded me of D'Angelo Williams story so there is a sports center cartoons feature where it's a David versus Goliath theme and D'Angelo Williams talks about the time when he got hit by Chris Jenkins and the way he talks about him is just folklore like this guy shouldn't have actually existed he's probably right about it saying 6'4 370 pounds Mm. and D'Angelo was telling the story how his rookie year he'd be on the sideline he'd be talking trash to Chris Jenkins to get him going because D'Angelo wasn't playing at the time and so it was funny because the animation shows DeLome going to the whole cutthroat sign hey stop talking to Chris we don't want that mess (laughs) (laughs) please stop talking about Chris like that and so D'Angelo feeling himself rookie coming into the league apparently the offensive line They were talking, not paying attention nearly as much. Chris Jenkins got mad. He said, okay, there is nobody going to be running a gap. I will be stopping anything that comes my way. Double team me, whatever you want. Boom, boom. Nothing's happening. D'Angelo Williams says he got the ball. He was just picturing how it was going to be his breakout moment. He runs into Chris Jenkins. He says he wakes up a couple minutes later and he said, what happened? And somebody said, you went against Chris Jenkins and you lost. (laughs) (laughs) And then he said he watched the tape and he said it reminded him of tetherball. Where he just runs right into him, boom, gets knocked right on back with zero momentum, taking Chris Jenkins backwards whatsoever. And he's saying, yeah, that's if you don't know, now you know about the defensive tackle that was Chris Jenkins out of America. That's a great story, man. That's the stuff you love to hear. It's like back in the day when they said if you made Lawrence Taylor buckle his chin straps, how bad it would get if he had to do that because he would practice with an unbuckled helmet. Mm -hmm. And if he had to buckle up, it was over. Well, my favorite story, I've told this a couple times, but Al Wallace would tell the story quite a bit. He would say when they would play (laughs) against the Dallas Cowboys and they would have stunts. So Al Wallace was supposed to go inside when he'd be out there. Great rotational pass rusher, probably actually a little ahead of his time, given the tweeners that go in there Mm because he was a big dude, crazy athletic. But they would call for a stunt. And that meant Al Wallace had to go against Larry Allen, who, if you don't know about Larry Allen, probably strongest goat guard. I mean, yeah, maybe strongest player ever. That's not an exaggeration. He might be the strongest NFL player of all time. Not pound for pound like Steve, just just pure strength. He said he would hold people. Larry Allen would hold people, you know, as legal as it is, because holding happens on every play. Larry Allen would hold two people at one time. Big defensive linemen, strong dudes, just hold them. And and just make sure that there was a gap for whoever to run through. You know, Emmett Smith later in his career. Hey, here you go. Larry Allen holding two guys. 
feel free. And Al Wallace said when he would, they would call stunts, he would turn them down. He'd say no. <laughs> like So they'd be live action. <laughs> they'd be live action, okay? You have Jenkins, Rucker, whoever's starting at the time. I think it was Brinson Buckner calling out defensive line formations. He was the guy on the on the line doing that. Buck would call for it while say, no, I'm not doing it. And he would stay outside and go against whoever the tackle was because no one wants to go against Larry Allen. Man, so that's I, another beast I've of heard time. some bad stories about stunts, man, because you talk about Larry Allen. I worked at camp one time with George Hegeman that played for the Cowboys, who's still a massive, massive man. And he would talk about how on stunts, man, you have to take care of each other on the defensive line because he said sometimes if he caught it, he would go attack the guy that was standing. He said he's broken guys' teeth before. Yeah, no All thank types you. of stuff. It's, I mean, it's vicious. I'm just glad you survived down there, man. I know <laughs> being 300 pounds helps you. Yeah. I mean, it it's, funky it's, down it's still pretty tough. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you survived and you're still with us. People <laughs> are writing about Kevin Green. Lots of Kevin Green Ooh, mentions. Oh, yeah. Kevin Green was a dog. Yeah. On that, his football life when they showed him working out in his home gym. Mm-hmm. Classic. Yeah. People writing about Mike Tolbert, too. Mike Tolbert was yeah. one. Uh, Mike Tolbert. Human bowling ball. I, I hope, you know, I hope Tolbert doesn't take offense to this. The guy was awesome. I legitimately loved watching him play. But there's a difference between being huge. Tolbert had a round old belly. You know what I'm saying? Hey, like he you was, shouldn't even preface that because most I, times when people are gonna say, "I hope this I know, isn't offensive," I know. it's gonna be offensive. But, but, oh no, I know that offends me. I got a round old belly. But I do my job pretty damn but well. But it's why I like Tolbert because he would also make you miss Tolbert. Now sometimes he would get a little. He would make plays. He man. would. He, he was a good. He was a good receiver out of the backfield too. Now I know not against Seattle the night where Cam Newton was. Um, oh, you know, held out for, yeah, yeah. So Derek Anderson threw an interception that bounced off of Tolbert's hands, but still overall a good playmaker coming out of the backfield. But Tolbert had a round belly, man. But that's why I loved him. Yeah. It's like, wait, nobody with that belly should be making moves like that. Yeah. Mike Tolbert's a good answer as well. All right. Let's finish with what happened on this day in sports history. What you got for us, Fitty? All right, guys. On this day in 1939. Lou Gehrig of the New York Yankees does not play against the Detroit Tigers at the old Brick Stadium, ending a streak of 2,130 games uh, played consecutively. An ailing Gehrig removes himself from the lineup, telling his manager, Joe McCarthy, that he cannot play because of continuing weakness. Doctors would later diagnose Gehrig with ALS, a fatal disease that would affect his muscles, and he'd never play baseball again. My question is, is what athlete's ab- abrupt retirement mm-hmm. hurts you the most as a sports fan? Ooh, abrupt retirement. You know, having some love for the Colts, I didn't like seeing Andrew Luck retire the way he did. And my family was not happy. <laughs> I got a lot of family that's Colts fans, and they didn't love seeing that because that was quite the surprise. But we have Luke Keekley here in Charlotte. Luke Keekley is going to be the answer for a lot of people. That's what I would say. I'm not even going to lie, man. I would say it would be Luke Keekley, man. He was a dog of dogs, oh, yeah. and when he retired, I hated that. Patrick Willis, uh, as well for me as a Niner fan, of course, but uh, Luke Keekley, that that's strong. I yep. wanted to see where he could continue to get to. Because we had two. I mean, remember, it, it was Andrew Luck, and it was also Luke Keekley too, right around the same time. And so, yeah, that was that was the one. There's there's plenty of other ones you can keep. You know, we're talking about real photo finish text here. Barry Sanders, Magic Johnson, somebody else brought in. Yeah, Barry, Patrick Willis as Barry well. Stunk. Yeah, so we'll leave you that question to chew on, and then you can text in if you want to. Who cares? We'll read it maybe in the next show that we have tomorrow from 12 to 3. 
3 p.m. Until then, stick around for the Kyle Bailey Show coming up next alongside Smoke Ludwig. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.